Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to those amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, I have a question for you. Everyone has district governors, and those district governors go out there and help teach the presidents how to be presidents. But who teaches the district governors? Well, my friend Eric Leo does. Well, not all by himself. He has a team of people that work with the International Assembly. This assembly assembles all the future district governors and teaches them how to do that role of district governor pretty darn good. He's going to talk to us about that experience and his Rotarian experience as well this week on the podcast. So join me, won't you? Eric Leo is my guest this week, and I hope you're joining us for the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's so wonderful to be back on the microphone with a new friend. Eric Leo is joining me today, and we're going to talk about him and his rotary story, but we're also going to talk to him because he trains or help trains with his team, our district governors. So our district governors get training. So we hear about president-elects getting their training, but there is a district governor assembly uh, meeting that Eric Leo and the rest of his uh, rest of his cohorts helped put together. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his experience getting to know all the district governors, not only from the United States, but the world, which is super cool to think about. Eric Leo, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's so wonderful to meet you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking me to be here. Oh, well, thank you. And first of all, you are in Texas, correct? Yes, Houston, Texas. And there's a little thing happening in June, is there not? Yes, the 2022 (laughs) International Convention. Please come join us. You still have time to register. Yes, I will be there. In fact, we just had uh, Patrick Harrison on a show not too long ago, and he was he he stuck me a little bit because I bought my ticket like the day after the price went up. But that's okay. That's okay. It served me right. It goes to a good cause. How are you feeling? Because the time this is the so the time that this podcast will go out is technically going to be after the conference. So so speak to me now like it's the future and the conference was you know, done and over. How successful was the conference? Talk to me from the future. It was an awesome conference in (laughs) Houston. You're going to see everything that you never seen before. See? Houston, Texas, the Space Center. Yeah, I I think we we forget. We don't have, yeah, Houston, (laughs) we do not have a problem. See, that's awesome. And I I think we, um, I think because space especially has gotten so almost privatized that we forget that uh, right there in Houston, you know, took us to to uh, to space and beyond. So that's pretty awesome. Especially the theme was discovery, the new horizon. So we try to bring Houston as the space city instead of a cowboy city. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I think I think uh, when people heard that uh, Houston was the home here for the international conference, cowboys, blue jeans, tobacco, cowboy boots, hats, 
I, yes. I think it would surprise people that it's more technically savvy than we give Houston credit for. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you from from the future. And uh, I, I had a wonderful time. I'll tell you that. And I was super excited and met people. I'm I'm I. Yeah. Mind blowing. But I do want to talk about this last February. And that is you are one of our you are one of the trainers at the International Training Assembly for our district governors. Tell us what that really is, that assembly is, because I don't know if everybody knows about it. So we call it International Assembly. Basically, once a year in February, we try to get all the district governor elect prepared and ready to take office on July 1st when they become district in your district. So we spend one week, normally we will spend one week in person in Orlando, Florida, and we will fly, Rotary International will fly every district elect into one hotel and we do training for one week. This year, because of the Omicron and uh, because all the issue with COVID, so we we change it to uh, a Zoom meeting. So we did Zoom training, and because of that, everybody in different time zones, so we have to uh, split the training into different time zones, different hours. So we have two hours in the morning and one to one and a half hours in the evening every day for eight days straight. So Ah. that was a a fun experience. So you were telling me before we we started uh, recording the show that you you had to do it at two different times for yes. to make sure the time zones were taken care of. So if I was looking at your Zoom screen, what were some of the countries that you were looking at at any given time? Oh, and at any given time, there will be country from Africa, Europe, Asia, Australia, North, South America. So there is uh, you, pretty much you cover the world at every every breakout session. That must make you feel good that it's like, you know, we talk about that we're a world organization, right? That we have this big world approach. But the one thing that's been nice about Zoom is that we literally have you know, our screens are proof of that. Is that what did you did it make yeah. you feel kind of small or did it make you feel part of a really big family? Well, actually, it makes me feel like a part of big family because you really feel the international international sense in this kind of setting that. Rotary is not just local community, but around the world. When we said around the world, doing good in the world, a lot of time we focus on local project we do, doing good for our local community or our state or country. But Rotary International really is international. It covers the world, every different culture, every different religion, every different aspect, different thoughts. So it's a wonderful experience. So, Actually, I always joke about makes you feel like you're sitting in a U.N. session. Yeah. Well, you know, and then we, we kind of have a bit of history in that department, too. So yes. how do how does our district governors how do they look? Do, are we ready? Do we is the next year looking pretty wonderful? Oh, yes, definitely. And uh, I, I think we always said we facilitate because the answers are already in the room. In, their, uh, in between their discussions. They know what they need to do. And we just try to get it out 
Yeah. So they can share among their friends and their classmates. So they can share ideas, exchange ideas. So uh, they they can be better prepared. So when you, I know that in in my household, we've had a couple years now of pets, which is president-elect training. And I know I've looked at that screen and there's been people like myself that have had a feeling of the only thing that I'm afraid of is what I don't know. Okay. Well, I feel I could be president pretty well. And my, and my club felt that I could do the job well. So they elected me. So what I didn't know is the only thing that scared me during my presidential year. So I felt I had that kind of naivete district governors, however, are people that have been in rotary a while. So do you have yeah. it when you look at them? Do the, is there an, is there a sense of real confidence or is there still some district governors out there going, I don't know. This, this is kind of scary. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. Or do you have both? Well, definitely you have a spectrum of them. Okay. <laughs> They're pretty much, pretty much they are all prepared, except some prepare more and some prepare a little bit less, but they're all prepared. They're all ready to do a good job mm-hmm. uh, because as a district governor, really, I, I, I joke about it. You are, as a district governor, you are the cheerleader. Uh, yes. You're not necessarily doing the work on the ground, but you are actually the cheerleader on the sideline. While the press club president, they are actually the people doing the work or their committee, their members are actually doing the work. So that makes a big difference. So we, we just need to make sure that the district governor uh, elect know the the main the main direction where they supposed to be leading to. Yeah. So they're the to to keep everybody to keep all those all those president elects happy and okay and thinking they're doing a good job. Yes. So this year it was Zoom. Uh do you think and I won't hold you to this, but do you think we're back in Orlando again for the assembly next year? Oh, I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, and what's funny, I have to say, is that the way you described it is basically Rotary comes in, we take over the entire hotel and we don't let anybody out until they're ready to go. That's kind of what you made it sound like. Is that <laughs> that kind of it? It's a big it's a big Rotary hotel? Uh, no, it's a resort hotel in uh, in Orlando. Uh, but because usually or uh, International Assembly, if you think about the training leader, the Rotary senior leaders, plus right. 520 plus uh, district governor elect and their partners, you're looking at 1,200 to 1,500 yeah. people. <laughs> they should paint all the rooms just gold and blue and it'll be perfect. So how many years have you trained our, our future governors? So normally you have a two, uh, you're able to do up to two years term. Okay. So this year was my first year. I, I I was so overwhelmed and excited. And that was a once in a lifetime experience. And uh, hopefully next year I'll be way more prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, so if you guys thought Eric Leo was really good this year, just wait till next year because he now knows the unknown and it'll be. And one would assume you were a district governor, correct? Yes, I was district governor 2016, 17. Okay, because I, <laughs> I thought that might be an important question because you know <laughs> you should. So you you do know what it's like to be a cheerleader. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. And awesome. I, I had, I have so much fun doing it. And that's why I always tell people that if you love rotary and you have the uh, ability to, you know, take part of your time out of two years, be district governor. That is a once in a lifetime experience. It is so awesome. You get to meet people around the world and you form friendship around the world. That That is just such a wonderful experience. Really? Because, you know, it's yeah. it's funny because I, I have to say one of the hardest jobs that I've had, I am the current president of my club and I it's a tough job. I mean, sometimes I just sit there and go, I really don't want to talk to any of my Rotarian brothers and sisters. I love you, but I need a day off, <laughs> you know, I mean, because this isn't the paid gig, you know, this is the, the civics one. But you're saying hang on tight because even even being a district governor is even more exciting. Maybe more oh, exhausting, definitely. but definitely more exhausting. Okay. It, it, you you will put in more, but the reward is tremendous. It, it, uh, it's a wonderful experience. We'll see. You there will you go. Love it. Okay. You will love it. All right. Well, then hang <laughs> on. Well, let's get to know your rotary story, you know, because before you were district governor, before you were training future district governors all over the world, you decided to join Rotary. So what is your Rotary story? How did you get to know the wheel? How did you become a Rotarian? So I actually joined Rotary because of a project in Mexico that uh, I have my own practice. I'm a chiropractor mm -hmm. and I had this patient coming in and he keep, he kept telling me about this project in Mexico, how he went, uh, he went every year and he asked me to go. And I said, well, sure. Finally, after a year, I said, sure, I'll go. I'll spend a week in Mexico. And so basically it's a, a cataract surgery uh, project. Wow. So the region, uh, in this region of Mexico, they to get uh, cataracts in, uh, in their late 30s. So they actually go blind right. in their 40s. It's not like us in the United States that, you know, you get a little bit cloudy vision in your 60s, 80s. It's an and, outpatient. Then yeah. and then you get perfect vision afterwards. Mm -hmm. Actually become blind because they don't have the chance to have surgery in their 30s or in their early 40s while they're still productive. But wow. because of the eyesight, rent them uh literally disabled and they become a burden of the family. Mm -hmm. So I went there one uh, first year I went there, I was able to take a patch off a late. I, <laughs> I call her an old lady. I said, Oh, this poor old lady. I took the patch off and she was able to see after being blind for 10 years, Wow! Being not able to see 10 years. And do you look at me with a tear in her eyes that touched my heart forever. <laughs> I uh, said, anytime I I do anything in Rotary, if I feel sad or negative, but I just think of that moment. Wow. And on a side note, later I found out she's a few years younger than me. <laughs> wow. So she really wasn't a quote she unquote old, old at woman I at all. I was in my, at the time I was in my forties. I thought, She's an older lady in her 60s, but come to find out she was actually a, a couple of years younger than me. Well, <laughs> and you know, that, that, probably, that probably shows how tough her last 10 years of her life have been. Yes. 
Yes, and then because of the environmental uh, factors, it's high altitude with certain uh, pollution, so they tend to have some certain disease mm. in that region. So, so uh, that basically is my rotary moment that I always tell people: if you have a chance to see a blind person to uh, to be uh, to be able to see again, and you're there to be the witness you will love this organization. There's plenty of that kind of opportunity. Well, and that's, you know, and it's 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 funny because most, most of the press in Rotary and most of the press that I do myself is, of course, about our polio and polio vaccinations. Yeah. And the whole idea of the vaccination is we don't see it working. <laughs> we, right. The whole idea is that this beautiful child still remains looking like a beautiful child because we've done our work. But yes. there is something absolutely... Um, heart wrenching and just just amazing about fixing a a, a a cleft palate or fixing you know you literally made a blind woman see. That's you know yeah. it, it, it's got to it's got to stick with you forever and ever. Definitely, I, I it's really like a life changing moments there, and uh, it, it was wonderful. Uh, if we have time, I actually have another uh, wonderful Please. experience. Please. So people doing a malaria uh, project in uh, in Africa. And so when I was district governor, I was asked to go to a club in Houston for a fellow award ceremony for me to give out the award to one of the recipient of from their community. And I was thinking, oh, sure, I'll go. No problem. <laughs> I didn't right. think it was a big deal. So I went there and then I learned a whole story. So what happened is people are uh, preventing malaria in, in uh, Africa. They ship keto net. And they were to help the local region reduce their death rate from, I think, seven seven kids out of 10 die before uh, they reach the age six wow. to now they, they reduce it down to three out of 10. They basically increase the survival rate, double, they double the survival rate. And however, every five years they have to reship the mosquito net because they deteriorate, they need to replace. If they mm -hmm. don't, then malaria will become a problem again. And then the shipping cargo, cargo ship, actually shipwrecked outside of the port. Oh no. When they were worried because they, they will not be able to ship another load of mosquito net, they will not be able to catch up before the rainy season to stop the malaria again. And they found out that sh the, the shipwreck, uh, the wrecking company was actually based in Houston. And when they contact the Houston company, they said, no problem. Usually they hold possession of the, the cargoes uh, as possession until they get paid. Right. Until they, uh, until they uh, take care of the ship. Mm -hmm. But because they found out the nature of the project, they actually released the goods because wow. we're doing, because of reputation and what we're doing to the people in, in the community in, in Africa. And that's why that club is giving out a Paul Harris fellow to that company owner. <laughs> That's so awesome. From, from a normal, just a regular Paul Harris Fellow award 
giving ceremony mm-hmm. to when I find out the background story. And that really made me believe this international network of Rotary International, that we can really do so much good. Well, and I think people forget one. I think we forget in especially I'm on a Like I said, I'm on a little island that there's a big, beautiful world out there. And number two is that Rotary is really trusted. And and I think that's something that we don't brag about. I think it's something we don't talk about. But out of out of the majority of charities, if you say you're a Rotarian or what you're doing is a Rotarian based project, can you help us? It's almost a no brainer. I mean, sure. We'll help you. We'll, you know, we'll back you. We'll make it happen. It, you know, I, I, I feel sometimes we don't gloat enough or, and we definitely don't use our own power. What do you think about that? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I was Rotary Public Image Coordinator for three years. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so I have been preaching hard to tell people we are we need to get our full credit in order for us to reach our full potential. We have to. We're not bragging. We're simply showing people we are the resource that they can come to us to receive help mm-hmm. or they can come to us we can give them a direction where they can help and impact their community. We are the resource. We need to let people know we're not bragging. We're simply helping people. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize mosquito nets only lasted for five years. I know that was one of our big global grant projects this last year was mosquito netting. I I don't know enough about mosquito netting. Obviously, I thought once you put up a mosquito net in some Hemingway looking bedroom, whatever, (laughs) that you'd have this mosquito net for the next 20 years. It it really every five years we need to. So that should be like a constant rotation, right? About five years, simply uh, because if you. Don't think about Hemingway, but think about a family of five (laughs) little kids, parents. They all sleep in one net. Wow. So the kids, you know, pulling up, getting in, pulling down, pulling up, Ripping pulling it. down. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. That makes sense. That makes and sense. And also they're not exactly living in an air conditioned uh interior. No. So they literally it's pretty uh pretty uh windy, airy. So <laughs> much every like five an outside years. environment. Wow. So, and I know we're working in several countries in Africa with mosquito nettings on the, on the whole continent. So I, I guess that's going to be a project that will always be around. I mean, yes. Yeah. So then let's get back to some other fun, fun questions that I know people are always wondering. You did um, mention some of your it moments. So that is a question that everybody loves. One question that I always find very interesting is anybody else in your family in Rotary? Are you the only Rotarian or do you Uh, have others? My wife is also a Rotarian. Yay. See, there we go. I actually uh, charter a a club and, you know, Neptism here and there, she's the (laughs) charter president. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> Just get them all in. Hi, them all in. Well, and you know, and I and I asked that because 
yourself and a few others, unfortunately, are the exception instead of the rule. And sometimes it's, well, my husband's a member and I help out wherever he needs me or vice versa. My wife is a member. But to have somebody who has kids or nieces or nephews is just like an anomaly. Why do you think that is? How come we just don't bring in all our families to do this stuff? I think a lot of time, uh, I think that's why we have talked, Rosary has been talking about being diverse, diversity Mm -hmm. and inclusion, because we have kept in our old way for so long. I remember uh, 10 years ago, the first time I brought my son into a district-wide event, uh, a Rotary district kind of event, a big event. As we get there, we sit down and then start with the invocation pledge and then four-way test. Everybody stood up and recite the four-way test. At the time, my son turned around and whispered in my ear. And he said, Dad, is this a cult? (laughs) We have so many uh, misperceptions in in our community, even in our family, Mm -hmm. that our even our own kids don't understand. And uh, so I've been educating him ever since. So uh, I'm sure in a few years, he's still in grad school right now. So, but he should be ready to join Rosary soon. Well, there you go. But and I, tell I him it's we, not a cult. <laughs> yes, I, I think we, you know, a lot of time we just need to be able to adapt and change and fit into the new uh, society and new generation that people don't perceive uh, the same thing, uh, you know, the same way. Right. Well, and, and I think, I think we have to find some type of happy medium in the sense that, you know, if we did everything like 1905, then I wouldn't be a Rotarian. I mean, that goes with that, you know, it just, and the subject, (laughs) I wouldn't be allowed. I would not, you know, the least I would not have as a podcast, but do we, should we, however, like things like the four-way test or whatever, or sergeant of arms, I know are fading out very quickly. Is there a loss in getting rid of some of these things in changing for somebody like your son or this next generation? Do we lose some of our character? I think for years, if you go to, if you go to, uh, have you been to international uh, convention? No, Houston will oh, be my first. Awesome. So anytime if you have a chance to go to anything internationally or even multi-country mm-hmm. with a rotary meeting, observe how they start a meeting and how they end the meeting. Because that truly is an international aspect of this organization. And I think in your local community, if you want to do the pledge, the four-way test, everything, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But all I'm saying is there's no set way you have to start and end your meeting. Whatever fits your community, that's what it, what is important. In Texas, we still have many clubs that they not only recite the, the Pledge of Legion, they also to, to the flag, they also do it to the uh, to the state of Texas. Well. So, there you so go. You I visit, couldn't even, we don't have a pledge Texas. here in Washington. So yeah, I, don't have, I don't have a pledge to Washington, but. So, so that, it just depends on your community. I think That's just make sure fabulous. you're flexible. 
<laughs> That's fabulous. I didn't realize there was a pledge to Texas. I'm going to have to Google that. Oh, yes, please do. <laughs> a, a pledge to Texas. So all of my Texas fans, and I know I have some out there, you didn't tell me that. Now, one thing that is kind of interesting is I am actually going to have a podcast in the future. Um, there are some Rotarians whose vocation are being men and women of the cloth. We have a rabbi, we have a uh, a couple uh, Christian a Lutheran, and one is a Baptist. And it's been very interesting talking about prayer and that some clubs still have prayer before they start a meeting, yet we're not religious. So right. I think it's I think we're in an interesting uncharted territory a bit, don't you think? We're going to oh, have yes, to make some of these changes. Definitely. Well, so, and you did mention the four-way test. So let's talk about the four-way test because yeah. uh, it is a biggie. My podcasters like it very much. I think to say that the four-way test has a very international difference than it, you know, than here in the United States. I think the four-way test is a lot more followed here in the United States than in some places overseas. How do you work the four-way test into your life? Is it an important thing or is it just kind of in the background? I think definitely it's important. And uh, I always base on what I like to be treated and that's how I treat the people. Mm -hmm. So, and I think because of that, because of different culture, it's not that other country don't follow the four-way test. It's their cultural background they probably feel like I should be treated like this. So this is how I'm going to treat other people. Why should I keep reminding myself <laughs> if it's a test? Yeah. Okay. So and I think before. Uh, I've had guests that have been really kind of hung up on the word test. Like how come it's a test? Why does it, why don't we just do this naturally? Why do we have to make a test? You were saying. Oh, I'm just saying that I, I think it just, uh, it's something I think just to be fair and, uh, to be true, to be fair, that that's what I believe. Well, and do you think if you're a Rotarian, if you if I'm walking up to you or you're walking up to me and you know I have a business and I follow the four-way test, does that in your brain give you kind of a re prerequisite that's like, ah, oh, Gwen's going to have a, a great restaurant because she follows the four-way test and she's a Rotarian? Is it kind of like this secret acknowledgement that we're going to treat each other nicely? Well, I guess in a way I trust you more. Right. Oh, OK. I trust you more. And I don't think your kitchen will be dirty. And I think <laughs> I can safely eat at your place. Because, however, right. However. however, however, if you think about this, let's say you are specialized in. I don't know, let's just say chicken fried steak. And if I don't like chicken fried steak, even though you're a Rotarian, I may not visit your place. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I yeah. may be a taco guy so <laughs> kind of guy. So, <laughs> Right. But, you know, if you did like chicken fried steak and this has gone way off the rails that you would come and visit me, which is good to know. So oh, I definitely. don't go to a restaurant, but if I do, <laughs> I'll make sure it has tacos on the menu. So, for example, my dog goes to a Rotarian veterinarian and uh, my car goes to a, 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 a auto shop that owned by a Rotarian because I trust it. I don't have to worry about they they jack up the price or they change unnecessary procedure or something. I trust them. So so it it does make a difference. Oh yes, definitely. It does make I a like difference. I like to do business with Rotarian. So and 
we do talk about on this show uh, to be a four-way test cop. It comes up on Facebook a lot. I find <laughs> that, you know, we are as, as, as Facebooky social media people, um, I call it throwing rocks and hiding your hands that sometimes it's very easy in the privacy of your own keyboard, faceless right. or emojied to throw out an opinion or a judgment and then hide your hand and press, you know, escape and get out of it. Have you ever right. found yourself being a four-way test cop or do you just kind of like, let it go? Uh, I'm kind of let it go kind of guy. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> I, I always tell people, so as a public image coordinator, mm-hmm. I always tell people, do you want your post to reach, a, you know, 100% of the uh, audience? Anytime you post anything religious or political, mm-hmm. you're cutting out certain percentage of people. They will not care about you. They will not, they will not concern about what you're saying. So right. I, I Nobody, I post on social media so much, but I bet nobody know my political stand or my religion. Right. <laughs> because I kept those things private and I post just uh, something about Rotary or something, uh, just something nice, positive. Mm-hmm. I don't really post anything negative. Well, and I think, you know, I and and gosh, how unusual. I just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that what social media is for is to put up our opinion? I mean, you're basically telling us, Eric, that you don't even put up your opinion. You just go, I'm having a really good day. Thought I'd share it with you. But uh, I, I, I heard a saying long time ago and, and I, I'm a, I'm a true believer of that is if a dog bark at you, do you bark back at the dog? You don't. No, you don't. <laughs> it's not waste. It's not you know. You don't want to waste your energy for that. Oh my God! You really don't. You really don't. So then, when did when did you officially join? When did you join Rotary? I joined Rotary two thousand five uh, during the. It so happens is the centennial year. Mm-hmm. Two thousand five, which is nineteen oh five. So I, so I joined Rotary two thousand five, and I'm also good friend with the. Uh, the that district governor that year because she constantly remind me she is the centennial governor. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure her age is not centennial. She's the centennial no. governor, and I'm sure she'll no. do that correction. <laughs> she's so a good then, friend. That's why I always joke about that. <laughs> so, and then when she's a centennial, she can be both. Then let's you know. Um, so then how has Rotary changed since you've joined? So we're getting it, you know, it's 2022. You've got, you're pushing, you're pushing 20 years in yes. this, in this yeah. organization. How is Rotary different now from when you joined? I think it's definitely much more welcome and much more open and diversity. And uh, I remember the first time I went to my Rotary club when my friend, uh, my patient asked me to go to uh, the Rotary Club meeting, I went in there, I took a look, I came back, I told my uh, business partner, I said, oh my goodness, I just went to a nursing home for lunch. <laughs> because everybody's over at least 10 to, minimum 10 to 15 years older than me. And everybody else is at least 20 years older than me. And oh, I, I was 
really not. You were not really. smitten from the beginning, <laughs> no. is what I'm hearing from you. No, no, but but then I went. I uh, I went for several of the the project that uh, eye surgery clinic project, and uh, so I I said, well, I'll join. And I think you just need to have an open mind when you join the organization. So later, I become great friends with these so-called older people. Right. They become friends even to, to to this day. We still get together to go out to eat, and it just they just become great friends. And uh, I was I was lucky enough they trusted me, so I started a uh, many many uh, service project in our community. And they're kind enough to let me just use the uh, the funds to do so many projects in our community. I enjoy doing it, and they enjoy to uh, participate at the day of the service project. And uh, I, I had a great time, so I, I enjoy doing that. So I know President Shaker is trying desperately to get people to join, not in the traditional way. In other words, let me invite you to a meeting. Shaker right. is saying, invite folks to your pro to projects. In fact, find a project in your district that automatically includes uh, like uh, uh, parents of or friends of Rotarians. Is that a way you recommend as well? It's like because so you don't get the I went to an old folks home for lunch. They're actually right. out there doing stuff. Is that what you'd recommend to? Oh, definitely. And uh, uh you know, a lot of people quote Shaker saying that he said, everyone bring one. Right. But every, a lot of people forget about the, the last part. It's everyone bring one and keep one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. you can bring one, you can bring your friend in, but don't forget to keep one. And how do you keep one? Membership retention, the best way is to have them to be part of something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier that you interview uh, our vice president, Valerie. Yeah, this week. Yeah. And and at the International Assembly, she said something that it touches my heart. He said diversity. I don't know. She said that in your uh, when you talk to her, she said that diversity is a fact mm -hmm. and equity is a choice. And inclusion is an action. And then the outcome is belonging. Nice. And belonging is what we want every member to feel when they're in our club, that they belong to something. And by doing the DEI uh, initiative, we can provide this feeling of belonging. And I think that's the thing that we really need every member to feel and then they will stay because mm -hmm. they leave because they don't feel like they belong. Yeah. And I have to say, I had, I, I, I'm sad to say that I had somebody who said, I don't know if this is just the right group for me, if I'm like the right fit for you guys. And this particular individual didn't, he wasn't the, the highest of income and he wasn't so, but it, but it wasn't about necessarily paying the dues. It was the action. And were we actually doing things of action. And right. I know COVID has taken a big bite out of people because it's really hard to these last couple of years to be quote, 
Rotarians of action if all we're if we if we can't if we're literally not allowed to be people right. of action. So um yeah, but bring you'd one, be surprised, one. You'd be surprised. There's so many people have creative way that there's still people of action doing things mm-hmm. in the community. We have people wearing masks, wearing gloves, giving out hand sanitizer in the community. Yeah. And uh packing food instead of having a banquet or gala. They pack food and on the curbside, giving out food to the participant or going out to the community, uh, passing out food through a very, very uh, sanitary way that they don't have to concern about contamination. And they're still able to, so many clubs are still doing so many good things in our community, just in a different way, non-traditional way. I guess in a way, COVID really pushed us to change, that the change normally will not come for 10, 20 years, but COVID made us change in six months. I, I think I think it really did. And I also think it was it, you know, I think these e-clubs or these Zoom clubs, um, I think they're here to stay. I think it's it's also really refreshing. This has been one of our years where we've really grown because yes. clubs can be of all different sizes and, and and platforms, I should say. Yeah. So I got one more one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. I thank you so much, Eric, for for taking a chunk of your day for me. And this is the one we call the elevator, the elevator question. So you and I are on an elevator, and I notice your rotary pin. And at this time, I'm not a Rotarian. And I say, so that rotary thing, are you in rotary? Why would I ever want to join rotary? What would you say to me? Well, I would tell you, hey, so uh, you asked me about this pin. This is actually belong to an organization called, called Rotary International. And we are just a group of people having fun together and doing something that we feel like we can make an impact in our community. And if you want to have more friends and network, Come, come with me to one of our meetings and we will have so much fun. And our meeting can be a meal with a speaker and we can have some of the meeting are at a bar or at a restaurant, casual, we're very flexible. And if you're interested, if you're interested in making an impact, giving back to the community, call me. There you go. Call him. <laughs> You can find him on Facebook. He is my selfie pro. I'm telling you, this man knows how to do selfies better. My arm is not long enough. I am so envious of you, Eric, and your long arms. Eric Leo, thank you for joining me on the show today. It was an honor to meet you. And uh, thank you for making our next district governor so awesome. Oh, thank you. So, so, so honored to be here and so nice to, well, finally meet you and uh, other than on social media. That's right. Well, and I will be in Houston, so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, well, I have some plans for Houston. I have quite a few friends that are looking forward to seeing me and I them. But I'm telling you, that week I am there, I am hunting you down, Eric, because I want a selfie. I'm serious, you guys. Check it out on Facebook. Eric Leo is the selfie king. And he is also doing his part to make the world a better place and district governors better district governors. 
great little stories too. Well, I thank you so much for joining me this week on the podcast. Hey, you know the routine. Tell people about it, won't you? Have them download us and rate us. Of course, if you know a Rotarian that I should interview, rotarianpod at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to know my more musical side, check me out on Rotary Radio UK. All right, then, until next week, take care of yourself and the world around you, and I'll hear you next time on the I'm Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everybody.